Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses 4 through 5 and then 12 through 14. Then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Are we at the, the book of Acts? Yes. Okay. yes. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, and then we'll jump through uh, to 12 and 14. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart, Jesus did. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which, he says, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts chapter 2, fast forward, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there were appeared to them divided tongues of fire, or as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and begun to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that your Holy Spirit now indwells us. We give you the glory for it. We praise you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of God. What is the day of Pentecost? Obviously, it's a celebration, a holiday, a Jewish holiday. But it's more than Jewish. It's, it's scriptural, and it's one of the three main holidays that uh, God gave his people. And uh, Walter Kaiser, in a book that he wrote called Revive Us Again, he shares this information about the day of Pentecost. He said, it's called the day of Pentecost because it occurred on the 50th, or Pentecostos, the 50th day after Sabbath. Or the, seven, or the day after the seventh Sabbath, the Holy Spirit came in mighty downpour on the disciples on the first day of the week, or Sunday. Though it was the Feast of Weeks, also known as the Festival of Firstfruits, the reason for the celebration was the anniversary of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. It was a very important time in their, in their history. So it was one of the three great annual pilgrimage festivals when all Jewish males would assemble in Jerusalem. There were over a million uh, people there. So it was a major time. And they would assemble in Jerusalem to worship God. So Jews from all over the diaspora or the scattering, because uh, many years ago they had been scattered, the diaspora, and then they, were, they would come back. They would reconvene in Jerusalem. So they were present when the fulfillment of this promise suddenly happened. Even though the Holy Spirit had been present and actively working during the Old Testament area, he now, he now came with visible and unforgettable evidences of wind and fire. Wind is a sign of God's spirit, as both the Greek and Hebrew words for spirit can be translated depending on the context as, as wind or fire. Fire was also a symbol of the divine presence as seen in the numerous Old Testament events such as the burning bush, 
a pillar of cloud by day or fire by night that guided Israel in the wilderness, the consuming fire in Mount Sinai, and the pillar of fire that rested over the tabernacle in the desert. God, once again, is present among his people in a mighty way when this thing happened, this, this major occurrence. He goes on to say, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was released throughout the entire world. The extent of the downpour was upon all mankind, not just a, a select few, not just on one nation, but on all mankind. Joel's promise continues to become more explicit, indicating that the Spirit would come upon all without distinction, on sons, on daughters, or without reference to gender or sex or young and old men, regardless of age or race and ethnic origin. Men, women, old, young, Jew, Gentile, all believers would receive this outpouring. And there were three results. The first was that those immersed by the Spirit would prophesy. The second, that as the second and third results are visions and dreams. Praise God. So the purpose of the outpouring of the Spirit is seen in verse 21 which says, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God would send his born-again believers to share salvation through Jesus Christ, through spirit-empowered and convicting witness. The fulfillment of the promise of God's spirit is the best response for overcoming all doubts and barriers for serving God. The poor band of disciples that has suffered such doubt during the hours before the crucifixion were suddenly awakened to an inexplicable transformation by the gift of the Holy Spirit. All kinds of intellectual doubts, emotional blockages burst open before the healing and convincing presence of the Holy Spirit. Consequently, we can affirm without fear of contradiction that the greatest argument for the reality and effectiveness of revival and renewal in the church is the majestic work of the Holy Spirit in lives that only recently have been filled with everything but the power of God. Kaiser went on to say. So, then again, what was the atmosphere that brought in the Holy Spirit? What were the things that they were practicing when they received the Holy Spirit? Point number one, very important point. And this, to a great extent, is not effective in the church today. They were in one accord. They were in unity. Not unanimity. In other words, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be your clone. But they were in unity of purpose. They were all waiting for the Holy Spirit. And the second thing, they obeyed the Lord Jesus. They obeyed His commands. He said, don't go all over the place. Go to the upper room. Remain there until you're endued with power from on high. Amen. Until you receive the promise from the Father that I spoke to you about earlier. So they obeyed God. Too many Christians today are not obeying God. We know God. We know about God, we know His Word, but we don't obey it. And unfortunately, when you're at that place, you cannot receive the flow of the Spirit of God. See, there's the infilling, but you can quench Him when you disobey Him. And so you need the Holy Spirit. And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to share with you why you need the Holy Spirit. But these people were in one accord, in one place. See, like you and I, we're here in one accord right now. What did we come to church for today? We came to hear God's word. We came to worship him. Maybe we're invited by a friend. And so we went, okay, let me honor God and let me honor my friend and come and be his guest or her guest. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just be there together with the people of God. So we thank God for that. These people were there in one accord. 
And the other thing they were doing is they were praying in one accord. They were bringing supplications to God in one accord. That's very vital. Um, The Lord shared something, a momentary thought with me. The reason why more Christians cannot receive from God or cannot receive the wisdom of God by the Holy Spirit, even though the Spirit of God dwells in them, is because they don't pray. They don't meditate in God. They don't spend time with Almighty God. They spend time with TV, but they don't spend time with God. They spend time in their jobs, but they don't spend time with God. They spend time reading, but they don't spend time with God. They spend time with their with maybe Facebook, um, what else, Twitter, but they don't spend time with God. They spend time with, uh, the, what do you call those games? What, what do you call that? Xbox, Xbox. what else? PlayStation. PlayStation. They know, they, they know the name of every single game. They know the name of, of the Warriors and, and even their teams, but they don't know the Word of God. Do you understand? So consequently, because of that, you, you can't hear God. God doesn't scream at you. He whispers. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So they obeyed the Lord. Another thing, they had trust and faith in Him. They trusted God. Too many Christians don't trust God. We say we do, but our actions belie that. Mm -hmm. Because the first thing that happens, we immediately get into worry. We get into anger. We get into doubt. We start complaining. A person that's complaining is not trusting. I'm getting very little amens today. I think I'm going to have to self-motivate today. You know, when I don't get any affirmation this way, I just, I just turn around and affirm myself. I'll give my own, you know, I'll say, okay, Victor, good word. So, you know, you're getting me concerned now. Amen, amen, All right, amen. No, I know you're listening. I'm just joking. But they had trust and faith in, in him. Too many Christians that, that I communicate with, their, their communication shows me they don't really trust God. If you, if you trust God, you say, we're going through a difficult time, but thank God He's with us. I know He's going to make a way with us. I'm going to pray. And not because you're worried, you're going to pray to receive strategy. Yes. Because the Holy Spirit's always speaking. Hallelujah. It's just we're not listening. Yes. Hallelujah. Did, did somebody say, ow? Good word. I'm just starting. This gets, this gets deeper. All right. By the time, if, by, by the end of the service, if you need healing, just come up for prayer at the end, okay? We'll get you healed up. They were also expectant. See, expectant people get results. Amen. When you expect something, you act expectant. That's right. When a woman is about ready to have a baby, she's not sitting home watching TV relaxing. When, when, I mean, when those, those labor pains kick in, hello, ladies, work with me here. Isn't it true? It's not just hanging out, chilling, you know. No, everything stops and you're like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, honey, uh, get the car ready. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, Call a doctor. Uh, Isn't it true? I know, not because I've gone through it, but I've seen my wife go through it three times. Right? And I I, I saw Natalie go through it. She was with us, you know, when she went through her labor, labor pains, right? And I remember, I don't know, after a day and a half of waiting, and she's in pain for like a day and a half or so, uh, about, I don't know what, 15 minutes to 1 in the morning, I was tired. So I said, okay, guys, go through what you go through. Wake me up when you need me, because I was exhausted. <laughs> so I don't know, about 15 to 1 or so, I go to my bed. I get in my little, you know, pajama stuff. So I lay down. Boom. Ah! Oh, ah! Okay. Take off my, <laughs> and put my clothing back on. All right, we're going? Yeah. The water bro- The water burst. You understand? So I got, I think, 10 minutes of sleep. But it was not business as usual. She was expectant, and so was I and everybody else around her. A person that's expectant 
they have a different way of, of responding to things. These yeah. people knew something was going to happen. God said it, and they were acting according Amen. to it. If God says he's going to bless you, if he's going to prosper you, if God says he's going to work with you, if he's raising you up to preach or teach or sing or whatever he's, that he's calling you to do, and you just, and you know, how's everything? Same old, same old. You're not expectant. Right. Your, your attitudes and actions belie that. Right. I'm expectant. So you can see me. I, I, I talk, let's say, about, for example, the building. You know, we're doing this this week. We're excited. Yeah, you know, um, Elder Jose and I, we, we're overseeing the construction, the demolition, because, you know, that's what we do. We, we, we're good at it. We've been doing it for years. So we're there almost every day. I was there yesterday. I, spent, I went there this morning. I was there Friday. I was there Thursday. I was there Tuesday. We, we, we were investing a lot of time in this. Why? Because we're expecting. Amen. We expect something great in that yes. place. So we're prepping it. So that when the move of God hits, when people, when our visitors, our guests, the neighborhood starts coming in, the politicians start coming in, I want them to come in and say, wow, what a regal place. Amen. I like that. Regal. Why not? It's for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Why build some shabby when you, you know, to the best of our ability, let's build some decent and, and, and good order. Amen. They were patient. That's another thing I, I don't see in a lot of Christians today. Very impatient. We, we want everything right away. Chop, chop. Come on, God. Come on, God. And God's looking at heaven. When is he, when is she going to learn? Another thing, they loved each other. I can't say the same about many uh, Christians in churches and in communities. We're not flowing with the love of God many times. Yet the Spirit of God dwells in us, but yet the love is not flowing. If that's not present, you, you can't have this type of atmosphere. You, you hinder the Spirit of God. You grieve the Holy Spirit. So let's stop grieving the Holy Spirit because we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I mean, God did the greatest thing when he allowed us, mankind, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the greatest thing that could have happened for us. So what happened when the Holy Spirit came? Well, they received power. Don't you need power? Amen. We need yes. power. Yes. I need power for living. I need power uh, for circumstances, situations. I need power in this body. I need power. I need the power of God to help others. Praise God. To be at peace. Amen. To go through situations and storms. I need his power. Yes. They received new vision. Praise God for new vision, because see what's happening is we are operating in an old vision, and it's usually an old vision because of failure, because of fear, because of past issues, because of what our family went through, and so many times the visions we have limit us yes. and stop us. At age 15, I knew I was going nowhere. I knew I was going to be an alcoholic. At age 15, I knew that I was just going to do what my family did until I received a new vision. See, until I went to church and I heard the gospel, and then God started you know, showing me that he had an option for me. He had a greater future for me. He had a better future for me. Then he had eternal life for me. So he changed my vision. So now I don't operate in the old vision anymore. I operate in his vision. He took the limits away. Vision takes away the limits. Vision gives you hope. It gives you faith. It gives you patience. It gives you the ability to be patient, rather. Because you know you're working towards something. All successful people understand the power of vision. All visionaries understand that the vision you see changes your habits today. Yes, see, because yes. if I'm going to be that one day, I have to go to school and prepare for that. Yes. But if you don't see anything, you don't change. You stay the same. Mm -hmm. They also had their limits taken away because of the power and the vision that they received. And consequently, they were able to impact their cities and their future generations. Praise God. And that's what we're doing as a church. 
I don't know if you know it or not, or not but our grandchildren are blessed because of what we're doing today. See, somebody prayed for me when I was a child. I was telling you, I think a week or two weeks ago, how when I was a kid, I was, I think, age 12 around there. They sent me to the Fresh Air Fund, to an Amish family. And let me tell you, I had a lot of fun with them. Uh, two weeks, it was six kids over there. They took me out of the city. It was so much fun to roll in the grass and to play, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, in Amish country. I had so much fun. When I grew up, years later, I called the, la the lady back in that family. And you know what she told me? She says, you know... We were praying for you all these years. Hallelujah. Somebody was praying for me when I was a child, Amen. when I didn't even know it. Amen. In this case, I was able to thank her. But in many cases, you don't thank the people that pray for you because they're not even here anymore. You don't thank the people that build the churches where you got saved in because you never knew them. But they saw you in a vision. Before I was ever born, my dad spoke to his grandmother and she says, I'm going with the Lord soon. She was a woman of God. He said, but you're going to have a son and he's going to be a preacher and he's going to be just like me. Mm. You see? And, and she was praying for her great-grandson that she never got to see in this life. So what we're doing today, we're blessing children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Yes. So don't ever let anybody tell you that you're not doing something important. What you're doing is such vital importance, it's urgent. And it's transgenerational. Amen. Good word, brother. So why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? See, I speak about this today because today is the day of Pentecost. They're celebrating that in churches all over the United States. They're celebrating this great historical day and, and, and the celebration around it. But why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do we have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit's our teacher. Yes. You can't get anything from God unless it's through the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He'll teach you all things, and He'll remind you of everything I have said to you. See, so the Holy Spirit, by the way, is a counselor. How many of us need counselors today? Don't raise your hands. Well, it's just, you know, we all need counselors. That's the truth of the matter is. But the greatest counselor is the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you pray and you spend time with Him, He'll counsel you. Because life is hard. We're all going through issues. That person has issues. Excuse me, we all have issues. That's the truth. It's hard. We need counselors. But the greatest one is the Holy Spirit. And then he's the teacher. And then he'll remind us of things that in the, in the past where he delivered us, where he set us free. He will sh share stuff with us that we need. So people, you need the Holy Spirit. So say to your neighbor, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit because he's our teacher. He is our counselor, sent by the Father. And he's, since he's the third person of the Trinity, he hears it firsthand. Amen. Because he is God. Praise God. So number two, he is the vision giver. He's the one that gives the great visions. Yes. You want a great vision? Connect with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. They shall tell forth divine counsels. And young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances. And your old men shall dream dreams, divinely suggested dreams. Praise God. So I'm excited about that. Amen. There are times I'm dreaming and I have a, a, a dream. Or rather, I'm sleeping and I have a dream. And I know the, God, the, the Lord spoke to me. Hallelujah. Years ago, I remember when, when God spoke to us uh, to leave the school because it was about ready to go into a very difficult time. And we left by revelation. And then nine months later... The, the difficult times started occurring. Yes. 
It's almost eerie, you know. And, and when we left, it was right on time because that was, that was when this place was opening. Isn't that amazing? God will speak to you, but He already organized and set up something for you as you obey. So I'm expecting that in, in the coming days. God's been speaking to us about years that, that, that we would have a building for years. It's easy for people to say, you know, he said it, but he didn't do it. No, sometimes he tells you something and in 20 years he makes it happen. For him, 20 years is a snap, a micro nanosecond. <laughs> for us, 20 years is a life many times. But if you look at scripture, you know, when he called David, when he anointed David first, it was not until 18 to 20 something years that he finally became king patience but meanwhile as he speaks to you as he ordains your steps and he prepares you that walk with God will help you to uh, you know by visions and dreams God will continue to speak to you and to prepare you the Holy Spirit is God in you John 14 verse 16 I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter and he shall abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not and knows him not but ye know him for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. See, so Jesus, by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, would never leave us comfort, comfortless. Praise God. So God in you. And in Colossians 1.26, talks about a mystery. And it talks about riches, true riches. We know what riches are, but what are true riches? See, there's a difference between riches and true riches. You could be rich... And yet, here today, gone tomorrow. You could have friends because you're rich, but you lose your riches, you lose your friends, right? So, you know, there, there is stuff, and then there's the true stuff. The true riches, it says it here, Colossians 1.26 and 1.27. It was, it's a mystery. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of Riches of the glory, again, riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. What's the biggest thing God did for us? Christ in us. Hallelujah. Notice it doesn't talk about money, doesn't talk about influence, it talks about God indwelling us. Amen. What's, what, what's important to us? Hey, get that bonus, get that job, you know, get that influence, right? Become famous. That's what the world wants. But don't you think God knows more than us what we should have? Most people hear that, say, ah, just give me the million dollars, I don't care. They don't realize that stuff is short-lived. But a relationship with God is forever. Praise God. He reveals God's will and wisdom to us. The Holy Spirit does. John 16, 14, he will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. Wow. How do you like a friend like that? Amen. If you needed some, you could just call him and he, he'll tell you what you need. Isn't that good? Amen. We all need friends like that. Yes. Well, the greatest friend is the Holy Spirit because he'll take what is of Almighty God, what's in his bosom, what is in his heart, and reveal it to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're commanded... To be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, Don't be drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because it's, in, it's in, that ad, in that atmosphere that we receive the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, strength, peace, joy, 
It's in that, in that relationship with Almighty God. Relationship is very important. You know, you, you, when you're, you're lonely, you, you seek friends. And when you get to your friends, you feel good. Right? How many of you have gone through that? You're home. You're, ah, let me go hang out. Let me and you go with your friends. You feel good, right? Isn't that true? Those of you, you know, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You go see him. You feel good. You know? Isn't that true? We all need relationship. But the greatest relationship is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you'll bring that peace and that joy. And that lasts. You could have a friend today and then tomorrow could be your enemy. Yes. I have, I've experienced that so many times. Where the people I think are the most closest to me just can turn around in a heartbeat and suddenly, whoo, oh my God. Yeah, I'm serious. Have you ex anybody experienced that? Amen. I have experienced that so many times. I realize truly relationship here on this earth is transitory. But God doesn't change. He's always the same. And he loves us. And then he told us, when you pray, call me Father. So he wants that family-level relationship. Praise God. My Lord. I have a warning for you. In Romans 8, 9, without the Spirit, we're not His. So we need the Spirit, because without the Spirit, we don't even belong to Christ. Because He's the one that transitions the adoption and empowers the adoption. Because without the Spirit of God, there can be no adoption. See, we were not children of God, but in Christ we become children of God. And the one who ratifies the adoption and then does a supernatural work in us where our DNA, our spiritual DNA now becomes like his. Wow, my God, don't we need the Holy Spirit? So he's the one. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So in that day, when Christ calls each one of us and we go before God, what's going to define our relationship there, whether he accepts us or rejects us, is not how much we did on this earth. It's not how cool we were. It's not how well we dressed. It's not how successful we were in our company. It's, did we have a relationship with the Spirit of God? Was the Spirit indwelling us? Whether you're Jew, Gentile, Arab, Asian, Indian, African, South Central American, American doesn't make a difference. What God's looking for is, this, is the spirit of His is the spirit of His Son in that individual. When He looks, He says, "The spirit of His son, is my Son is in there. You belong to me. You you belong to me. You you belong to me. I don't see the spirit in of of my Son in you. You don't come in." I'm not getting any mail. I, I, I lost you guys about three points ago. My God. I'm just, I'm just hitting you with truth today. You know, the other day, the other day he said, yeah, I don't know, so I shouldn't be offensive. I was telling her the truth or I was telling him the truth. And I told the individual, you know, you don't understand. Sometimes truth can be offensive. And I find today most people don't want to hear the truth. Most people want you to lie to them. Yeah, I'm serious. And the minute you tell them the truth, they're already offended. They're angry. They're upset. I'm so offended. Why? Because you told me that. Yeah, it's the truth. I don't care. I'm offended. We, yeah, I, I, everybody's so sensitive today. I don't know if you noticed it. Yes. What's going on? That was a liar. My God. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. For the day of redemption. Amen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 
with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Holy Spirit seals us. Not me. Not my works. His Spirit. Praise God. How many are sealed here? Well, do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Amen. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer, not some. When you come to Christ, He seals you and He fills you. Amen. And we need that. The Bible says we are His temple. So He doesn't dwell in the church building. He dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who's in you, whom you have received from God? <clears throat> You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. See, so how do I honor God with my body? As I live, as I walk, as I talk, as I serve, as I work, I watch my actions. I watch what I allow to go through my eye gates and ear gates. Things that I could do wrong, I'll, I'll hold up. Because the Spirit of God is in me. I'm in relationship. You understand? Uh, let, let, let me take it to the natural. If I'm with my wife, and we're walking, and suddenly, um, I'm just saying, you know, one of these supermodels show up, pass right by me, right? The average guy will go, go Whoa, you know, isn't it true? I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be real here. Okay, you guys really need to repent this afternoon because, you know. Amen. Thank you, thank you, sir. Those, days, those amens are coming at a premium today. But how can I... See, I'm in relationship with my wife, so how can I honor my wife? If the supermodel passes by, I'll see the supermodel. I'll keep on talking to her. In, in, in my, my, my wife's mind, she'll say, wow, he didn't pay attention. Didn't, wow, yeah, he's honoring me, right? Relationship. So you honor because you're... Well, how about the fact that the Spirit of God lives, lives in you? We talk sometimes, our conversation is really, really bad, criticisms and everything. We're not paying attention that the Spirit of God's right there, hearing everything we say. And this is why prayer is so important, because prayer is actually relationship, communication and listening, talking and listening to the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we're praying to Him who's inside. See, so as we hear and listen, our life will manifest it. Our life, not because we're in church today, but also Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because yes. we're in relationship with Him. It's not about, you know, how we can fool our brothers and sisters into thinking we are something. No, how about you actually are? Because you're in relationship. It's not that I'm perfect in myself. It's that I love Him so much that I want to please Him in my daily walk. Praise God. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit with all of our heart, mind, soul, our body. So in conclusion, in Christ we have received the spirit of redemption. And he will reveal the blessings that he's already freely given us. Say, say, say the word free with me. Free. Yeah, freely. He's freely given it to us. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. See? Things that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, yet God has revealed them to us 
through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man that's in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Amen. At age 15, I realized that. I said, oh man, God loves me and I'm special and I'm precious to him and he wants to do something in my life. So I gave my life to God at age 15 and I'm 54 now. Wow, what a wonderful life I've, you know, I have because of that relationship I entered during that time. And you know, it wasn't me calling him, it was him calling me. So the invitation came from him and I received it. And so I've been living a different life, a life that he purposed for me, but I would have never known it had I not ever come into relationship with him, had I not, been, had I not received the spirit of Christ. Who knows better? My friends over here, my buddies over there, my family. No, Almighty God knows the best. Father knows best. Amen. Praise God. So as we consider um, this beautiful day of Pentecost, this season, uh, remember it's a day when he gave. It's a day uh, he gave the law, you know, he gave his son. I mean, he's a giving God. He did it for you and for me. So your lives are precious. Your lives are important. And in relationship with Almighty God, the purpose that you were created for will come forth in the coming days, months, and years. Amen? Amen? So some of us need to swap relationships. And we need to come into relationship with Almighty God through Christ. Because Christ is the door. Some people say there are many ways to God. No, actually scripture says there's only one way and it's Christ. And see, and that's offensive to the world. The world doesn't want to hear that. The world is very angry at the Bible. But you know, uh, how is my dog going to be angry at me if I tell the dog, you can, I can only walk you at 4 o'clock when I come from work? No, no, I'm, I'm making that for a statement. I'm not calling us dogs. I'm, I'm making a point. See, I'm the owner. I'm master. Dog, you, you're my dog, right? Okay. But yet we, as his creations, we want to tell God how God's supposed to do his business. Wow. And we don't like it when he issues the principles of creation to us. The rules and regulations that govern the creation of mankind. We don't like it. We want to do whatever we I want to do whatever I want. That's right. And then when your lungs fail, you want to look up to heaven and get angry at God. See, every action has a reaction or a repercussion. So we can do whatever we want. We're Americans. We're free. Although we're not that free. We're not as free as what we think. The government is becoming ever more intrusive. And uh, we're losing a lot of our freedoms under our noses. And we're not even paying attention. We're like a frog in warm water. And meanwhile, there's fire underneath the water. It's getting hotter and hotter. We're not even paying attention, most of us. But I'm saying, if God created us, and God says, that's the door, then why am I going to fight that? I'm just, okay, that's what, you said that God. Well, I'm going through Christ. If he loved me, died on the cross for me. Uh, Buddha didn't die for me. No major religion, a religion on this earth can boast that the founder came back from death. Amen. You tell, me for, you tell me who came back. Yeah. Only Jesus. That's no, just a story. Well, 
unfortunately, um, you have to fight with history. Because history bears witness that he came back. No, it's just a Bible. No, no. See, that's what most people don't understand. And, you know, when people want to challenge the Bible and don't know what they're talking about, I look at them and say, dude, shut your mouth if you don't know what you're talking about. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is 40 men who had shared and written down things that happened during their lifetime. It was not one book that was found in Asia one day. It was 40 different scrolls that were found throughout a period of 1,500 years. And they all agree that Jesus is the Messiah. And then to top it off, other archaeological digs confirm that they're the fact of that day. Because they also confirm the same thing. That's one of the ways we find credibility in history. Now, there are historical revisionists that don't want you to know this. But when, when you challenge them with that, they can't refute it. You can't refute a clay jar that you found 10, 20 feet in the ground. You lift it up and it, it's signed you know, or it's dated 2,000 years. Or you, you, know, you work with these things. You can't refute that. And one of the things that happened, there were over 500 witnesses that wrote and attested that Jesus came back from the dead. These scrolls are documented fact. And by the way, history also says that all the other ones that are supposedly messiahs all died. So there's total absolute confirmation that the Bible, which is not a book, it's 66 books, 66 scrolls, is the word of God. See? So I, what am I going to go with? If I want to be empirical, if I want, give me some empirical evidence, irrefutable evidence. Well, I got, I got the archaeological fact, right? If I want to be logical, that's logical. Many ways to God. Prove it to me. See, see I have to say, prove it to me. <laughs> she's, she's, she's trying to find mama. I, I, I thought it was Judah for a moment. <laughs> Wanted to go to the drums. That's all right, don't worry. We're, 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 this is a big family. You understand? They, no, you proved the Bible to me. So, no, you proved to me that evolution is, a, uh, is the reality. You know, nobody's been able to prove evolution. That's why they still call it the theory of evolution. You understand? But yet they want to push it as truth. But yet they'll fight tooth the nail so that this, the, the scripture not be taught in schools. Yet the greatest schools were built by Christians. The Harvards and the Yales. They were all built by Bible-believing Christians. But today, the thought, you know, people have very short memory. And every generation does the same error over and over and over and over again. We learn, then by the time we're 70, we develop some wisdom. And unfortunately, after 70, we're 80, with 90, we're gone. Then the new generation, no, it's not going to happen to me. Same thing. If you look throughout history, every major nation that has destroyed himself, they allowed such liberality that everything was permissible, and then after that, they implode from within. <laughs> <laughs>